Welcome to Massive Late Fee. And now your hosts, Mark and Carol. Well, hello everybody. That big breath into the microphone must mean that it's Massive Late Fee. My name is Mark. With me as always is my girlfriend, Carol. How are you doing and breathing today, Carol? <laughs> What in the fuck is that? Is there a creature inside of you? Was that a cry for help? Maybe. What the hell? We had a big meal. I think that was digestive gurgling, I guess. It was like an attempt at a burp that didn't happen. It, like, made it halfway up my throat, and then it just stops. Wow. Hey, what's up? Very classy. <laughs> it is May 18th, 1996. We're coming at you with, with a lot of goodness and some badness today. Some badness? Oh, yeah. No? You don't think so? Okay, well, we'll get into it. First, though, Are you talking about the terrible movie badness? Or is there bad news? I guess it's open for your interpretation, huh? I guess. I only have two things, really, news-wise. Neither of them are incredibly compelling. So get ready to have your socks blown up. Okay. Uh, you know the new look in magazines... Heroin chic, they're calling it. <laughs> yes. Designers are denying that drug culture has influenced the latest look. Quote, I don't think they look like heroin addicts. To me, they look like a young girl on a street now. It's not about drugs. It's about an attitude. Girls don't need a lot of makeup or a hairdo to feel good about themselves. When I do the fittings with the new girls and see how they arrive in their show, how they talk, how they move, I don't want to put on strong makeup. I want them to be themselves. That's Donatella Versace. Versace? Or, or however you say that. Um, I, I gotta say that sounds like a bunch of bullshit. I agree. I mean, first of all, I don't want to put a lot of makeup on them. They, they're wearing makeup. Yeah. <laughs> they have they have makeup on. Yes, they don't have... So, in the 80s, I'm not a big fashion person, whatever they call them. No, you're not? Really? No, not at um, all. It's weird, isn't it? I, I, I never would have guessed. So, coulée de crayon. Uh, <laughs> that means pencil neck. Uh, so, anyway, I'm not big into fashion. However, I am aware that in the 80s, fashion was bigger than it is now. There, The hair was bigger. Yeah. The shoulder pads were bigger. <laughs> I never understood the fucking shoulder pads. Everything was larger in the 80s, right? Mm -hmm. And now things are getting more minimalistic. So the hairdos that she's talking about, yeah, like when I see models and stuff like that, they have more natural hair. There's no big hairdos. Did you say the hairdos that she's talking about? Donatella Versace, yeah. That's, that's, that's not a she, honey. Oh, Donatella is a man? Donatello. No, Donatella. D-O-N-T-E-L-L-A. Donatella oh. Versace. Never mind. It could be a dude. I don't know. I, I thought that it was a dude, but apparently not, because if it's Ella. Donatella, yeah. Okay. It's not Donatello. 
It's not that's you're thinking of Donatello, who's brothers with Michelangelo, Raphael, <laughs> and Leonardo Versace or whatever. Right, right. Anyway, so yeah, that's that's more naturalistic hairdo. I get I get that, but they're still wearing makeup, and I mean they're fucking like some of these pictures you see in magazines, Calvin Klein magazines and stuff. So a woman wearing. A, the jeans, mm-hmm. right? And then just a bra on top. Right. And she's, like, laying, like, sitting on a street corner, like, against the curb in a black and white picture. And she's... And here's the big thing, which they didn't mention. They're thin as hell. Oh, yeah. And they're, they're accentuating it with the makeup, like, making them look almost gaunt. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's... Yeah. I mean, they don't want to call it uh, concentration camp chic, so they call it heroin chic because you know heroin addicts generally are thin because you know once you they got, don't eat once you got heroin, who needs food? Right. <laughs> you know, uh, heroin constipates you, and uh, lots of times heroin addicts will not go to the bathroom for weeks. Oh, oh, that sounds awful. It it's, it it really slows your metabolism down, but as you said. They don't really eat. So, I mean, if you're ever looking to lose a lot of weight, I guess heroin is a way to go. I wouldn't recommend it. But, I mean, wouldn't slowing your metabolism down be a bad thing? Yeah, but it also destroys your appetite. So you literally, like, never eat. You can't, you, you can't, if you're, if you're consuming, like, 500 calories a day and that's it, your metabolism can't slow down that far. It's, you, you have to, just to live, you have to burn a certain amount of calories. Right. So it's just like, you know, those uh, mice that they put in a in a box with a button that when they push it, it, it hits the pleasure center of their brain and they mm-hmm. just push it until they die. They didn't eat or drink or do anything else. Right. Yes, exactly. That's, yeah, that's heroin for you. Yeah. So way to go, fashion industry. <laughs> I mean, have you seen there's that one, what's her name, Kate Moss? She is... She looks like a ghost. Yeah. She looks like a ghost of a model. True. She's a skeleton. It's not good. They all look like they're dying. Yeah. It's no, I don't like it. I don't like, and that's the thing is that might make the clothes look good, but in my opinion, the women don't look good and that's not my type of woman. I like a woman that has curves and you can't. Yeah, you do. (laughs) And you can't have curves. If you weigh ninety pounds or you know whatever eighty right. pounds, it's just not possible. Yeah, you, got, you can't sustain life if you weigh less than eighty pounds. So you got a lot of curves, which is good for me. Uh, anyway, so the the last story that I have is basically just a Pine Knob has the Pine Knob Music Theater has put out their concert series uh, coming up for the summer here. And I just wanted to read a few of these out, you know, see if uh, if anybody had any interest in any of these. So we've got on um, the 1st of June is Tim McGraw, you know, it's like whatever. Uh, but that's at the pavilion. That's $90 ticket. Or I'm sorry, a uh, $70 ticket right there. We did we did one of his songs this year. Oh, yeah. Tim McGraw with Faith Hill, uh, Brooks and Dunn. And Lori Morgan, Pam Tillis, and Charlene Carter. Car- yeah, Car- Carlene Carter. I don't know. There's no H in there. <laughs> this is one I might I might be interested in. I think you might be interested in, too. The Bare Naked Ladies. <gasps> I want to go. With Sandbox. 
I like the bare naked ladies and Sarah McLaughlin. I love Sarah McLaughlin. Yeah. When See? is this? When is this? I want to go. June first. We're going. All right. All right. We're gonna get some tickets and we'll go uh, June first. But they Def Leppard's coming. The Scorpions with Alice Cooper. That's like a. Uh, that's the. I don't know what you, what you would call that, the re- revival tour or whatever. <laughs> Their careers peaked certainly about 10 years ago. We got White Zombie and Pantera, Eddie Money, Sticks, Huey Lewis in the News, which is interesting, Luther Van, Luther Vandross, Donna Summer and Aretha Franklin, that pairs well together. The Moody Blues, Jackson Brown. Got anything to say about any of these? Mm, any no. any interest in any of these ones? I was really only interested in Bare Naked Ladies and Sarah McLaughlin. I like Bare Naked Ladies a lot. Me too. And I also Obviously. like that band. What band, honey? Bare, the Bare Naked Ladies. Oh, ha! <laughs> 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 it's been a long day, peoples. They're good, though. They're good. Uh, the softer side of Sears is, is sponsoring Gloria Estefan's show. I like her, too. Uh, let's see. We've got Meatloaf. <gasps> I love Meatloaf. Mm, it is delicious with some gravy. Shout, oh. shout out to Claudette on the Meatloaf. Right. So Meatloaf's playing July 5th. we got Ted Nugent with Bad Company. You're familiar with Bad Company. Uh. Boston with Cheap Trick. That's a blast from the past, but I might like that, too. We've got Creedence Clearwater Revisited, not Revival, because, what? yeah, it's, they they broke up, and this is them without, uh, what's his name, Dan Fogelberg, I guess, or whatever, the fuck's his name, you know his name. I don't, though. I want you to tell me. I can't think of his name. <laughs> Get it together. But it's, it's, the, without the dude, so it's just there. Hootie and the Blowfish. <gasps> yes. July 16th. The House of Blues. Linda Ronstadt. George Searing. Uh, what do we got? What else? And Dwight Yoakam. Ugh. We're not big country fans. Sorry, guys. Katie Lang. Tony Bennett in the house. A little bit of old school. Tommy James and Jay and the Americans. That's a, the village people. No? Boo. No, you don't like the village people? Well, the, no. What about the Beach Boys? I like YMCA. What about the Beach Boys? I like the Beach Boys. So that would be probably without uh, their former leader as well. Mm. What's his name? Brian Wilson. Brian Wilson doesn't really tour with them or do much with them anymore. It'll be the surviving Wilson brothers because like, you know, Dennis Wilson died, fucking drowned or whatever. Aww. Yeah, it was a while ago. <laughs> and, uh, you know, what's his name? Uh, the... The dude. The other guy. The dude. Yeah, the one that wrote Kokomo. Okay, I dude. Can't, I can't think of his name. What's up, dude? The other lead singer-ish dude. guy. Dude. You know Kokomo. I do. Aruba, Jamaica. Ooh, I want it. He sings most of it. So that's going to tie in nicely with uh, the show we watched. Oh, yeah, kind of. Steve Miller Band, Jethro Tull, Adam Sandler. I love Adam Sandler. June 28th, Adam Sandler's coming to concert. I mean, I don't love Adam Sandler movies, but I really, really like like just his comedy. I like a lot of his stuff. Weird Al Yankovic. I like Weird Al, too. Right. So can we just like move into Pine Knob for the summer? And then Hootie and the Blowfish is coming back, too. 
Cool. So we got more than one opportunity. Yeah. So that's that's the concerts coming. So some pretty exciting concerts. I, I'm really looking forward to the Bare Naked Ladies. I think I think we should go to tickets aren't super expensive. They're you know like 40, 40, 50 bucks. So I think we could we could probably go to a couple two three concerts this summer. Yeah. Yeah. We should definitely. We should go to a couple concerts and then come back and tell you guys about it. That's a really good idea, actually. We should also go on a cruise, right? I want to go on a cruise. You want to go to the Bahama. Like, I want to go so bad, it like makes me angry that I'm not on a cruise right now. Let's go. Let's go. Let's Let's do do it. it. So, (laughs) that does tie in, though, with what the nanny did this week. Yeah, when she... Nanny and the Professor we watched. The nanny... No, Nanny and the Professor from 1962. No. Whenever that came out. We watched Fran Drescher as Fran Vine in The Nanny. She talks like, she would do the voice. I can't do the voice. I can't do the voice. Mr. Sheffield. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. Yeah, I can't do it. Miss Vine. <laughs> but Is she... that a good Mr. Sheffield? Yeah, actually. All right, thanks. Um, but she actually was taking a cruise for her vacation. Yeah, nice vacation. Just get away from the family, relax. Her and her friend Val. And she had spoken to a psychic and was very excited because the psychic told her she's going to dance with the man of her dreams on water. You're going to dance on water with the man of your dreams. And she's like, the man of my dreams is Jesus. <laughs> he is a Jew, like Fran, so. Hey. So she's he can only walk on water, you know. Huh? Got that. He, I said he can walk on water. Yeah, we got I that. would interpret that as I was going to dance on the ice with somebody. Hmm. Because, you know, I mean, Jesus, big whoop, but I can walk on water, too, when it freezes. <laughs> well, <laughs> we, no, we, in, we all interpreted it wrong, I guess. Yeah. Right. But she thought she was going to meet the man of her dreams on this she cruise. She did. She was very set on that. She did, though. It's very clear she did. But she already met him. Yeah. Well, oh, that's true. She did say she was going to... Well, did she say she was going to meet him or just that she was going to dance on water? Probably just that she was going to dance on water dream. with the man of her Because dreams. in this reality, her psychic is right. Right. So, yeah. She and Val are going, and then Mr. Sheffield gets all freaked out about her meeting a man on the cruise, which, like, dude. Like, dude! I don't, Come on, dude. I don't understand. Like, why doesn't he just tell her like he likes her or whatever? Because it's so obvious that he likes her. Like, it, it almost seems like he's not even trying to hide it. He's talking to that weird butler, the the Niles, the white version of the butler from, from Fresh Prince of Bel Air, Jeffrey. <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, Niles." You're not Fraser's brother, but <laughs> she's going to meet someone on this cruise. I can't, I can't help it. I can't stand it. You know, I'm going to lose cause her. Because the, the kids, the kids will be upset. Yeah, the the butler's like. Yeah, the kids. Yeah, yeah. Fucking idiots. You should just leave leave the kids out of it and <laughs> tell her. Yeah, why don't you tell her how you feel, you fucking coward? What did he? How did he put it? Like. Just don't mention the kids, but tell her how they would feel about how they would miss her. And, yeah. like, and then he's like, but then she'll think it's me. And he's like, uh-huh. <laughs> he's trying to steer him in the right direction. Yeah. It's so stupid. It's so frustrating. That's like, I guess, like, what the whole point of the show is at this point is just, like, the frustration of wanting them to get... It's like, it's like who's the boss? It's foreplay. 
That's what it is. Yeah. It's just a bunch of teasing. Yeah. Like that, that, did he, did he ever catch her in the shower? Remember that episode where, where Tony caught Angela in the shower yeah. on accident? <laughs> did he ever catch Fran in the shower? I don't At one point, think he so. stares at her ass like her ass is anything to write home about. <laughs> no offense, Fran Drescher, who is an attractive woman, but her, her backside is nothing. I don't, see, I don't know why you're saying, like, she has curves. She has curves, but, like, her backside is not. Not all guys, like, as substantial of a rear end as you. Well, I never did till we got together, but but you got the... I converted uh, you. You got the... You're an ass man now. Once you go badonkadonk or whatever, <laughs> you never go back a deck. Okay. <laughs> That's the saying that they say on the streets. Oh, you're so funny. Um. Anyway, so, yeah, he's he's in love with her. I don't watch this show. I remember the beginning when the tension was like, that she doesn't know how to be a nanny, right. basically. And now the tension is she's really good at being a nanny, but he wants to have sex with her and she doesn't know. Yeah. Well, and, and also that the kids are, are getting, you know, older. And yeah, eventually... I saw that. I saw, like, I haven't seen the show in a couple of years. Yeah. Like, I think we did this show once in our first season, and that was maybe the last episode of this show I saw. This fucking monster <laughs> comes on screen. I was like, who the fuck is that? Like, is, uh, does, did, uh, does Fran have a, uh, an uncle that I don't know about <laughs> in the show? And it was the little boy. Right. The little boy is turned into a man. Mm-hmm. Little boy's on the, the cruise and he's bench pressing, uh, you know, her friend Val or whatever. He is not a little boy anymore, so you can't call him that. But they do have a little girl who's younger than him. Yes. So, I mean, she kind of still needs her. I guess she was a zygote when the show right? started. I don't <laughs> I don't know what the situation was there. But but that, it won't be long. That one girl that, that was, what's her, um, 90210, the guy that yeah. blew his fucking chest off. His sister, the, she played in um that one with the St. Bernard to... Uh, Beethoven. Yeah, Beethoven. Beef oven, I believe, is how you pronounce that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she she was in that too. You're Maggie. Right. Maggie. I don't know. What's her last name? I don't I'm talking about the uh character in The Nanny. Her name is Maggie. I don't know the no. actress's name. Maggie Sheffield then. Yes. That's right. Of the Sheffields. <laughs> of the British Sheffields, even though none of his kids have British accents. Sure. Isn't that weird to you? They grew up with this dude, and they don't have British accents. I know they're in America, but what the fuck? Where do accents come from? Hmm. Like, I don't understand why they... I know why they proliferate. They proliferate because when you're in an area and everyone around you speaks with an accent like that, then then that's how you naturally learn it. But where did they start? There has to be... There has to be something with the environment, right? Well, I think it's like... When people are speaking one language and then they have to change to a different language, but they keep the way they say certain words and then that's how it sounds like an accent instead of, you know, just talking. Maybe. I would think, I don't know. If you're a linguist, (laughs) write us. 
Yes, please explain uh, the nature of accents and language. And tell us why the Sheffield kids don't have British accents. I'm pretty sure it's because they don't live in a place where everyone else has a British accent. But their dad talks like but that. But he grew up in an area where everybody talked like that. He grew up in England. I guess that's true. If you, so, like, if, I don't know, I don't know if I've ever been in the situation or not, but... Yeah, I guess so. We have we used to have one in one of the schools that I I went to growing up. We had a Muslim girl, I believe from Iran. I believe that's correct. They were Iranian, Iranian. And she spoke just with a with an American accent. She spoke with a a typical Michigan accent hmm. basically. Because she was born here and she grew up here. Okay. Uh, but her, I'm pretty sure, I never met her parents, but her parents were not, her parents were naturalized citizens. They were born in Iran. And they, okay. they fled in the set, the late 70s, I think, when there was the revolution there. Uh, so they, I would assume, spoke with a Middle Eastern accent. And yeah. she did not because she grew up here. Um, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. But I mean, I I feel like if you grow up in a house where people are speaking another language or an accent, that you'd probably I bet you she speaks differently at home than she does at school. Then why don't these Sheffield kids do? Because he's they grow up in that house with him. Because he's he's accent. one person. Okay. It's not like the whole family. It's not like Niles some, speaks with an English accent. Too. I don't know. Then I give up. <laughs> you win. Shit. I have found the biggest plot hole in the nanny. The kids don't speak with an English accent. <laughs> so, okay. She meet, does meet a guy. And, Adam. And they're supposed to go to a dance contest together. He introduces himself with a palindrome. He says, Madam, I'm Adam. Yeah, he's ridiculous. No, he doesn't do that. <laughs> that is a palindrome. No, I was talking about you. Oh. <laughs> well, that... Hurts a lot, but that is accurate, I guess. <laughs> no, okay, so she's supposed to go on a date with this guy. And she is spending tons of time, though, uh, hanging out with Mr. Sheffield. Oh, yeah. Well, Mr. Sheffield's making sure of it. Yeah, he's following her all around and stuff. He's Does he not realize that, that he's... Flat a backside. What? Said so he's keeping a hand on that flat backside. Right. Does he not realize that he's in love with her, do you think? He knows. So why doesn't he admit it? He doesn't want to admit it. He's, he's afraid. He's stupid. So, okay. You know why he doesn't want to admit it for real? Because the producers are like, no, we got to stretch this out. <laughs> so he's there when her date doesn't show up. And he's like, oh, it's okay. I'll dance with you. And then her date does show up, but it's because he's being arrested. and just happens to be walking by while he's being arrested. Yeah, that's really funny. Like, did he say to them, hey... I got to tell this girl that I like. I'm not going to be able to dance with her. They're like, oh, sure. Yeah, no problem. Right. We'll bring you. Because they bring him right through. They bring him right through a mambo contest right. on their ship. <laughs> like, do, were they going to hang him uh, upside down <laughs> as like a warning for other people? He was a stowaway. You would think that they would try to keep that secret. Hmm. That they would. That they'd not. That they wouldn't publicize it to people and, and ruin people's vacations, you know. How's that going to ruin anybody's vacation but Fran's? 
Well, I'm just saying that that's disturbing. If you were on a ship and all of a sudden there was a big commotion, wouldn't that be like ruin your tranquility for a little bit? Yeah, I guess. So I don't you, know. You would think they'd try to keep it hush hush. More like, drinks should be fine. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. But she ends up dancing in the dance contest with Mr. Sheffield. With Mr. Sheffield. And then at the end of the episode, they're so fucking heavy handed. She's like, my psychic said that I was going to dance with the man of my dreams on water. Mm -hmm. And then she's like, yeah, I guess they're wrong this time. Yeah. Like, come on. You have that much faith in your psychic, but you can't. Like, like I said, I would feel so hurt if I was Mr. Sheffield. Yeah. She so doesn't believe that he could be a romantic partner to her that she's like, man, they're fucking wrong. <laughs> Ridiculous. I might as well have been dancing with a fucking corpse. I don't know. I think they'll get together eventually and then the Probably. show will end. Yeah. Thankfully. No, I like it. <laughs> yeah. You like this show. I'm not a huge fan. I you like all fun. sitcoms. I do. I, all sitcoms. I love them. I would just watch sitcoms all day if I could. Yeah. You're a sitcom girl. I am. I suggested that maybe we watch Lois and Clark and you were like, it's not a sitcom. <laughs> it's not true. I said we could. I just didn't want to, you know, spend an hour watching TV. Terry Hatcher's got curves. Yeah, I know you like Terry Hatcher. <laughs> well, you resemble her a little bit. Thank you. A little bit. Anyway. So, I will take it as a compliment. You know what I won't take as a compliment? Your opinion about the movie that we saw. Okay. Why don't you tell these people, these good people out here, what movie we saw and why you didn't like it so much. So it was the great white hype. And yeah. it just felt like kind of a waste of time to me watching the movie. Like... <laughs> Because it starts with, like, the, you know, champion boxer dude. Damon Wayans and of then, the Wayans Brothers fame. Right. And then they decide that they have to get a white dude for him to fight. I don't really understand why. Well, can I explain why? Okay. They mention, first of all, Samuel L. Jackson is his manager, promoter. Very much a Don King Parallel. This is a satire movie, just in case anybody, just in case this goes any, over anybody's head in this room with me. It's hey. A, it's a satire. Hey, now. Don't be a dick. Anyway, so he mentions, they mention that the gate is way down. They had to give away 4,000 tickets to this freaking fight. The pay-per-view revenue is way down. Nobody cares. No one cares about boxing anymore. No one's watching it. This, he's supposed to pay Damon Wayans $10 million, and he can't afford to do it. He's like, uh, you know, we got to whatever, blah, 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 blah. So he's he, he needs to, he's like, the reason, he comes up with the idea, Samuel L. Jackson, the actor, says he comes into the film too. No, he says the reason is, is because people don't like to see, he uses a racial slur, but, mm -hmm. but black people, black, a black guy beating the crap out of another black guy. No one wants to see that anymore. We need a white heavyweight contender, which there has not been one in probably, I'm going to say, around 25 to 30 years. Wow. Yeah. It's not been a good era for white people in boxing. My great-grandpa was a boxer, and he was white. Good for him. From Scotland. Yeah, Scottish boxer. 
I have no idea if he was any good, though. Lots of the, like, they call this guy Irish, right? Irish Terry Conklin. And he's not Irish. It's but, so fucked up. But it's because the Irish are known for fighting. Whatever. If you're a white boxer, they even say that. If you're a white boxer, you're just Irish, whatever. <laughs> he's probably getting drunk and fighting. There's a lot of stereotypes in this movie. Yes. At one point, the professor, Professor Arturo from Sliders. Uh-huh. He's in this movie. At one point... He calls one of the black characters a monkey. Yeah. And says to the white boxer, uh, beat his black ass and stuff like that. He's, this comes on all at once, by the way, too. We see, and I guess it's probably because there's not a lot of scenes with this dude. But you see him a little bit here and there. And then suddenly he's just, it's like the movie is in sections. This is what I don't like about the movie, because I didn't really like this movie that much either. I, okay. I was, it's keeping you in suspense, okay. but I think your opinion is correct on this. <laughs> there are things that I do like about the movie that I'll mention later, but this movie's in, in sections weirdly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the, the beginning kind of set up stuff, right? And then there's meeting Terry Conklin, played by Peter Berg, and establishing his character and really lightning fast through his, he's training and getting better and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And then we're in the propaganda section of the film, where we're basically just watching a propaganda film of the fight that we're about to see. Right. Then we go into the the actual, uh, like, as we get closer to the fight, then there's the, this is racism. We're, ta- we're going to talk about racism now. Right. All of a sudden, there's a section of this movie, none of this was established previously, it was not, I mean, Samuel Jackson's like, they don't like, you know, black people beating each other up or whatever, right? But he doesn't, like, connect that to any, nothing in the film connects that anything to anything deeper in society, right? And there's no strings of this as, like, a theme running through it. That's the, the problem with this movie is it's a satire, and it's supposed to be satirizing the boxing world, which is largely corrupt, and it's supposed to be satirizing... American society and how it feels like racism's gone, but maybe there's still some racism under the surface. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's what it's trying to do, but it doesn't weave these themes at all. It's just a section of the movie where they're writing it and they were like, oh, this is supposed to be about racism. We forgot. Let's put, let's put it all in here. And then they just put it all in that section and suddenly his trainer is overtly racist. And then later is speaking against racism. Yeah, I know. It's so weird. Very fucked up weird movie. So then, and then we go into the denouement, basically. Then there's the fight, and then there's the denouement, and then the movie's over. But it's not, it's not, like, I guess it's kind of a classic three-act structure, but it's really, it's weirdly sectioned, and it's weirdly paced, and nothing feels coherent. It's almost like a bunch of short movies all stitched together with a, a a plot line that runs through it. But there's no connective tissue here. There's nothing connecting one thing to the next. Well, and like like I said, it just feels like what was the point of it all at the end of the movie because like the um, white boxer does not win even though it's building it up like he's going to because the black boxer let himself get all out of shape. Yeah, Damon Wayne, who is... Uh Roper's his last name, the Grim Reaper. Mm-hmm. It's James. James the Grim Reaper Roper, I believe is what his name is. He's got a huge belly. Yeah, a very 
a very noticeably fake prosthetic belly. That's correct. They keep talking about they. So this dude, Peter Berg's character, Terry Conklin, is the only guy to ever beat the current heavyweight champion. And he beat them when they were both amateurs in the Golden Gloves Championship. Because they keep bringing up this, oh, his devastating overhand right. And it's like, okay, great. What a, what a punch. <laughs> you know, like, it's one thing. It's right. one aspect of boxing. It's not even one aspect of boxing. It's one punch. Right. You know, that's, they're not talking about his offensive game, his defensive game. You know, they call boxing the sweet science. I know a little bit about boxing. I used to like boxing. Boxing is garbage now. But, you know, back in the, the old days, I mean, when I was a younger man in the in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s, <laughs> boxing, was, okay, boxing, boxing was in its heyday. You know, we're talking about uh, Rocky Marciano. We're talking about Joe Lewis, Jolton Joe Lewis. Rocky? Isn't Rocky a fictional character? Rocky Balboa is. Rocky oh. Marciano is the only undefeated heavyweight champion ever. Okay. Anyway, so. Uh, anyway, so, yeah, the, that's one punch, right? But they they go through this whole charade of we're going to make it look like this guy's He's training. He's killing himself. He's doing great. He's really getting into boxing shape. He hasn't boxed in 15 years or whatever, but he's getting into boxing shape. And Damon Wayans does not care at all mm-hmm. and is just eating and not training and getting fat. The only thing he runs after is an ice cream truck. And so it tries to make the movie tries to make you think, oh, he's going to lose. Damon Wayans is going to lose. But Damon Wayans kicks his ass. I mean, Damon Wayans yeah. like plays with him at the beginning. And then Terry Conklin gets a a good shot in, and he's like, like all of a sudden he's like through his his mouth guard, he's like, "What the fuck? Are you trying to embarrass me on TV?" And then he just beats the shit out of him, yeah. And it's over in twenty seven seconds. And like I told you, I said, "Well, at least it's realistic because realistically, any professional boxer, no matter how out of shape they are, is going to destroy an amateur boxer." This guy's had, like, what, a month, two months to train yeah. after not boxing for 15 years? This fucking guy doesn't know. And he's going against a professional boxer. So, yeah, like you, I don't get any... I don't understand what the... It's it's supposed to be satire of, right. of this kind of pub, like public spin stuff, right? But the, here's the thing. What's the target of the satire? Is it just the boxing industry? Does it go beyond that in any way to any other broader parts of society? Or is it strictly the boxing industry? Because if it's strictly the boxing industry, then your niche is real, real small, considering that most people don't care about boxing anymore. And if it's the broader society, then you didn't do anything to establish that or give any hint of that at all. Yeah. Because if they were going to bring that into, like, sports as a whole, or even, like, politics or things like that, they needed something else. So, it was disappointing in that way. I don't know. I thought it was disappointing in a lot of ways. I liked Samuel L. Jackson, though. 
Well, yeah, he's he he put on a good performance. He was funny. He remains professional and and good despite the poor script. Right. He's definitely playing up this role of Don King, a Don King-like character really well. You're not familiar with Don King, though, are you? Nope. That is um, Mike Tyson's promoter and manager. Uh. He's, you've never seen him before? He's got the... That he looks like his hair, he's a black guy, but his hair looks like a troll doll's hair. <laughs> where it's black and, and there's some white because he's older now. But it sticks like, about that. he's like, only in America. Nope. The greatest, uh, the, the, the tumultuous town. Uh, you know, he's like, he always talks and he's just a big bombastic character. I don't watch sports. I can't believe you're completely unfamiliar with Don King. And like the sport, I think I hate the very most of all sports now, it's a tie probably between baseball mm-hmm. and boxing. Interesting. What would you think if I was a pugilist? What's that? That's a boxer. <laughs> I was trying to sneak that one by you. I would not be in a relationship with you. Pugilist. If you were a boxer, we would be done. Oh, no. I don't like violence. But my goal in life is to become a boxer. Well, I think we better talk about some stuff. <laughs> no, I don't really care about boxing. But, I mean, not not becoming a boxer. It seems dangerous, too. Yeah, like, you'd get concussions and broken bones. Yeah, and... you seen uh, Muhammad Ali recently? No. Fucking dudes. I mean, yeah, he does not look good. I would imagine. Anyway, so, that's that movie. Yeah, uh, not good. The, like I said, the, the things that I liked about it, I mean, to, you know, give it a little compliment sandwich here to end with some compliments... <laughs> Is I thought that, I thought that Peter Berg was really good in it. That was the white guy. Uh, I okay. and I thought that Samuel L. Jackson was really good in it. I feel like they, I feel like they wasted these actors. Uh, Jeff Goldblum, I think, was mm-hmm. pretty much completely wasted in the movie. I, I think they sort of wasted uh, Jonathan Rice Davies, the guy that plays Professor Arturo, to basically just make him a racist uh, caricature. For some reason, to say something about race, racism, I guess. I guess for a minute, and most criminally, probably Damon Wayans. Yeah, who's barely in this movie or barely has any scenes in this movie. Who is a hilarious, polished comic actor in Living Color. I mean, I, I, I don't know how you get Damon Wayans in your movie, and you're like, uh, how about 15 minutes of screen time? Right. I, like, I don't fucking understand this at all. And most of the time, he's just sitting there, you know, just, he's just like laying on a couch, is like, I am in shape, round. <laughs> and it's and like, smoking cigarettes. Right. It's like, he had a couple fun little side things. One of his, one of his on-screen appearances was shot like security footage from like across the street of him running. And at first, you're supposed to think it's him training and everything, but he's running after an ice cream right. truck. Which is a very funny gag, but it's like, give this dude more to do. <laughs> like, way to waste. I mean, Samuel Jackson's maybe your 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 biggest asset in the movie because Samuel Jackson's awesome. But Damon Wayans, if not the b- biggest asset, is like one A, right? And you waste him. Yeah. So I, I don't I don't understand that. Just a really weird script. Yeah. It was a weird script, a weird movie, with good actors for no reason. 
Yep. Could have thrown other actors, save some money. There was this dude, Jamie Foxx. I think he's been in a couple TV shows or whatever. Uh, he played the manager of uh, this guy, Martin Shabazz, uh-huh. who like actually deserves to have a title fight. And he was pretty funny. Like He was kind of out there and a little, little crazy, a little wild. He was... From for like a dark comedy, he was kind of like the comic relief, I guess, because he was like wacky, weird comedy. Yeah. So that was decent, but this movie mostly, I'd say hype, right? Yeah. It was a swing and a miss. Hype, not hope, because that's they like they that's what their, their tagline was, right? For the fight, hype or hope or hype. Because this this is obviously a play on the movie The Great White Hope. Okay. The nineteen seven I think nineteen seventy or seventy two movie with uh, James Earl Jones, Michigan's own James Earl Jones. I love him. It's a that's like an adaptation of Jack Johnson, the boxer, who. So just to real quick to what well, you want me to be done? No. No. Just real quick to explain uh, The Great White Hope. Uh, the movie is about James Earl Jones as a boxer who it's in the 30s and he's facing a lot of racism. You know, people are calling him a lot of racist names and, and stuff like that. And he he's destroying everyone that he's fighting. And so the press is like, we need a we need a white boxer to beat this black bastard and everything, and and so that's the great white hope that they're looking for. And his family's saying, like, hey, lay low, don't stand up against the white guys because, you know, it's fucking the 30s, and, you know, Martin Luther King hasn't done his thing yet, they say. (laughs) They're like, you know, you know, Martin Luther King's coming up. And uh, so instead, he marries a white woman. Oh, wow. And because of all the things and everything, he's getting chased down by the law and stuff like that, uh, she ends up killing herself. And Jack Johnson's wife in real life committed suicide. Well, that's sad. So it's kind of like a story about that. But that's like a really good, dramatic movie, The Great White Hope. And this title is obviously a take on that. Okay. You know, is it like a fuck? Is this a parody of a Great White Hope? I, not really, because it doesn't follow the same plot line. But I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get what this movie's supposed to be. I don't know. Hearing about the Great White Hope makes me think the Great White Hype sucks even more than I thought it did before. Right. But that's the thing is I don't know what this movie is supposed to be. Yeah. Doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't seem worth your time to try to figure it out. No. Although we just wasted 40 minutes doing it. Right. My recommendation is don't see it in the theater and you don't need to rent it when it comes to Blockbuster. Nope. Don't need to see it. Just forget about it and go see a different movie with Damon Wayans. Yeah. Or a boxing match. Pray, Pray for a movie... That uses Damon Wayans, at, you know, appropriately how he should be used. There you go. You know, to to the best of his talents, because he's a very funny dude. Yeah. All right. Well, that that's it for me. That's it for me too. Yeah, but not yet though. Okay. So write us at late fee nineteen ninety four at com. Go to the website www.retrolatefee.com, and uh, tell a friend. Yeah. Do all that, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.